0: Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the wonderful host of this podcast, if I do say so myself. Current student at the Walter Cronkite uh, School of Journalism, almost forgot the name for a second, here at Arizona State University. If you want to check out my work, you you can go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see my work, like my packages, to my articles, to my photos, and my graphic design. Now, as always, we got a jam packed show for you guys today. In segment number one, we are going to be talking about Andrew Chafin today. In segment number one, we'll take a look at his 2019 season and just Project ahead to the future to what he can provide for the D-backs in 2020. And then in segment number two today, it's Fastball Fridays. Wow, that was good. So uh, I'll be bringing the heat, letting you guys know some takes of mine, some opinions. But first, if you're a company interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks@gmail.com at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's jump right into segment number one today. We're going to be talking about Andrew Chafin. And you guys know who Andrew Chafin is. I know you guys know who he is. Andrew Chafin has spent his whole career with the D-backs. He was drafted in the first round, 43rd overall. In the 2011 uh, junior MLB amateur draft, not junior, I don't know why I said junior, but MLB amateur draft, he was drafted 43rd overall, uh, the D-backs, and he was the third selection actually. In the first round by the D-backs, they took Trevor Bauer and Archie Bradley as well in that first round. So, pretty good draft for the D-backs. Chafin has spent his whole career here. He's been here for several seasons now, over five seasons with the D-backs. He made his debut in 2014, and he had a pretty good rookie season. pitched to a 3.86 ERA. And he's been just relatively solid throughout his whole career with the D-backs. He started off as a starting pitcher, but in 2015, out of spring training, they moved him to the bullpen, and he hasn't been out of the bullpen since. It's just been a, a steady, eddy, consistent left-handed pitcher for the D-backs. He's had his up and up and downs throughout his career, but he's just been solid throughout uh, his second season with the D-backs. Uh, that's where we saw the most star power, I would say, from Chafin. Uh, he had a 2.6 2.76 ERA. Uh, in his second season with the D-backs, and we haven't seen anything close to that since. He was really dominant that year. That's back in 2015 now. The year after that, he actually had an ERA above 6. So he was pretty uh, awful that second year, but pretty much outside of those two years, I guess those would be those outlier years, he's a pretty consistent 3-5 ERA kind of guy. If you look at his career numbers, he's three-five-seven. 55 innings pitch per season, 9.4 strikeouts per nine, and 3.8 walks per nine. So he's just a solid pitcher. He's not going to be too up or too down for you. He's just going to go out there and pitch pretty admirably and leave it all out on the line for you. I mean, obviously, you know, as a relief pitcher, you're going to remember more ups than – or more downs than ups probably. And that's probably the same with Andrew Chafin. And that's only because – he he likes to create havoc early, and sometimes his timing when he does create havoc is pretty poor as well. Usually when uh, that first pitcher comes in, or not the first pitcher, the first batter that Andrew Chafin faces when he comes into a game, they usually have pretty good success against Andrew Schaafen. That's where he really struggles. He struggles against that first uh, batter in that first pitch. Batters are uh, hitting over 450 on that first pitch against Chafin. So usually when you start uh, when you start those counts, you want to be ahead in the count. And Chafin a lot of times falls behind early. That's why he has such a high walk per nine rate, almost four walks per nine innings. For a relief pitcher, that's a lot. A lot of people will joke around off last year that he always has to walk The first guy, I saw the Arizona Snake Pit have this. It's a running little gag that they had because they always said uh, Andrew Chafin always liked to walk the first batter before he could actually get into the groove of things. That kind of makes sense because Andrew Chafin was somehow better in high leverage situations because he's just so good at getting that ground ball, getting that strikeout. I mean, if you just look at last year, he hit eleven. Uh, or not last. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at last year, hit eleven point six strikeouts per nine. So he knows how to get that strikeout, and he's a great ground ball pitcher. So he knows how to get that double play as well. So when you get when you could do those two things, you can get yourself out of some trouble because when he has high walk rates, when you have high walk rates like Schaefer does, you're gonna put yourself in some trouble. And Chafin just somehow does a good job of escaping trouble, but not always, because when you look at the fourth batter in a lineup, the cleanup hitter, that's where Chafin struggles the most. The fourth batter in a lineup is batting over 400 against Chafin, and everyone else is batting under 280. So when you combine those first pitch woes, his walking woes, and that fourth batter woes. His timing, you're, you're always going to remember the, the low lights for Andrew and You're going to be like, man, this guy came in gave up a hit right away, walked a guy right away, gave up a run uh, right away. They're going to be like, man, okay, he's going against the fourth batter. We got two on. We really need to out here. And bam, there goes a home run. There goes a big double off the wall. So it's things like that. But somehow in high leverage situ- in high leverage situations, he was still pretty good. But maybe that's why Tory Lovello doesn't put him in in that eighth or ninth inning as much as maybe the numbers indicate he should be. Because he knows he won't come in and make quick work. As a, When you come in as a closer, you want to make quick work of the batters in front of you. You don't want to dilly-dally. You don't want to get behind in counts. We saw with Craig Kimbrell last year in the playoffs. He, he really struggled for the Red Sox. Got behind in counts a lot. And just didn't look the same in the postseason. And that's not what you want from Andrew Chafin. You want to come out and get guys early. He knows how to create ground balls. So he can get out of innings early. He can get you double plays. But... You don't want to always have to rely on the strikeout or the double play ball to get you out of the inning. You want to just sometimes have a smooth inning. Just be like, all right, I got this guy. Uh, just three straight ground balls, you know. I, I you don't always just want to see, hey, there's people on base. Now I know you could get them out. I want to know you could get someone out when we're protecting a one-nothing lead and there's a guy on third and there's one out. That's when I wanna know you could get someone out. So Andrew Schaffen just needs to clean that up a little bit. Uh, if you look at his first half and second half splits last year, he had a 3.41 ERA in the first half. He was 4.2 in the second half, and that's just really because he had a bad July. That's where most of the li- uh, low lights you'll remember of Andrew Chafin. In July, he just got absolutely shelled. He gave up eight earned runs in nine innings, so that just ballooned his ERA on the season. That's why he was as high as 3.76, even though he's more probably of a 3.5 kind of guy last year, and that's what... Uh, Chafin is throughout pretty much his whole career. Right now, he's entering the last year of arbitration for him, so he might be another candidate candidate to be moved at the trade deadline for another team that might be looking in need of some left-handed pitching or middle uh, middle relief depth, and I think he'll be a hot commodity if the D-backs do decide that they want to move on for him because he'll probably command a nice little salary in the MLB offseason, and, D- and the D-backs do not pay their guys a lot of money. There are not a lot of guys making a lot of money on this roster, so Mike Hazen just knows how to budget guys and budget players, and he does a great job of that. Now, you guys are going to want to stay tuned for segment number two today because it's Fastball Friday, so I'm going to be bringing the heat after this quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. Your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated, with disposable income. Then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word "advertising" to three three seven 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 or visit lockedonpodcast.com/slash/advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back for segment number two today. And it's Friday, guys, so you know what that means. It's Fastball Fridays. Man, that one was rough, but it's Fastball Fridays here on the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm just going to be rattling off some takes or opinions I have. I just want to get off my chest that I think are pertinent to the D-backs, and this is the first opinion that I have. Uh, I think just Merrill Kelly and Luke Weaver need to step it up, or one of them might be in danger of losing a rotation spot. And if I had to guess who of those two would be, it would be Merrill Kelly. It's hard, <clears throat> it's hard to say that uh, obviously Luke Weaver had the worst start in their debut than Merrill Kelly. I think he gave up double the earned runs that Merrill Kelly did. But Luke Weaver is still only about 25 years young. He was acquired in that Goldie trade? One of the centerpieces in that, so the D-backs can't move off quickly on Luke Weaver like they can in Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly was a 30-year-old rookie last season, and he only had an ERA. His ERA was like 4.2, so it wasn't like he was dominant or showed you great flashes. Never even really had. He had some stretches during the season where he looked pretty good, but he never really flashed a lot. Where like, man, this guy could be. At 31 years old, be a number two starter for me, no. Luke Weaver showed last year with his ERA in that three to three-five range that he's a good pitcher. He's a solid pitcher, and he has potential to be a number two pitcher maybe one day in your lineup. Maybe a number one, you never know. He was a highly touted prospect at one point in his career. He's still very young. He had a couple of seasons where he struggled with the Cardinals, but if you just look at his career, he's been pretty up and down. Some seasons where he has that ERA pretty close to three, and some seasons where he has ERA above four, even in the five. So you want uh, Luke Weaver to be more consistent. You want him to pitch better. And you are concerned with Luke Weaver's forearm issues and his health. I mean, being shelled for four runs in your spring training debut, nonetheless, is never a good look. And it just leaves questions whether his health is still compromised. It leaves you wondering whether he's even ready for the start of the season. But he looks healthy. He just didn't play well. Maybe that's because he hasn't pitched in a long time. Maybe the that spring training debut was just something that's won't be something that won't be regular for Luke Weaver. Maybe it was just the first of only a very few bad starts for Luke Weaver until he gets his feet wet again. I mean, he's still working his way back. From injury, so you do want to give the guy a little bit of time to see what he's really all about before we start assessing. On the other hand, with Merrill Kelly, I'm I'm just not bought into Merrill Kelly. A 31-year-old sophomore, I'd rather go with my young guys. I'd rather have Luke Weaver struggle in my rotation and put a guy of Mer- like maybe this, like I'd rather put Luke Weaver in my rotation, a young guy potential. Than a Merrill Kelly, who's like, yeah, he's probably 4-1, solid enough to be a starter, but more a fourth or fifth guy. I feel like I already know what I'm going to get with Merrill Kelly. I want someone that could, you know, maybe pop for me, maybe be a breakout guy for me, someone that could be with me long-term. Merrill Kelly's not going to be a long-term answer here in the D-backs. He's someone that's a nice story, came from Korea, signed out of there. Now he's in the majors, you know. He had an unorthodox grow to the majors. He's a phenomenal story. They should be a 30 for 30 on Merrill Kelly, but he should not be a starter in this rotation. There are just too many young guys that I would rather see get his minutes, not minutes, this isn't the NBA, but his spot in the rotation. And uh, I would even put Luke Weaver in there, even though he struggled uh, in his debut just like Merrill Kelly. So we'll see what their second uh, outing has in store for each of them before we assess again before the start of the season, so they still got some time, still a couple more outings in them, and then we'll decide again, and then I'll give you my final starting rotation. I mean, Merrill Kelly goes out there and pitches, you know, eight more innings, no hits, 12 strikeouts, you know, no earned run, just goes out and just strictly dominates, then I might update my opinion on that. But for now, I have Merrill Kelly probably on the outside looking in, I have Luke Weaver on the inside. Looking in, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Now, the second opinion that I wanted you guys to know this is the opinion that I regurgitate a lot on this podcast because I believe it and it showed out in his first uh, spring training start of the season. That is Zach Gallon. He pitched well in his first start, gave up no runs, two innings pitched, and he looked great. I was so happy for Zach Gallon. If you guys listen to this podcast a lot, I'm always on how Zach Gallon is going to be a great pitcher for the D-backs in the upcoming season. He was acquired mid season last year, and he wasn't even phased by the changes scenario when he came over to Chase Field. He was having a pretty good season for the Marlins. Uh, he was having a low-key a breakout season with them. And then when he was acquired by the D-backs, he started having a breakout season, or he continued his breakout season with the D-backs. And I don't even know if I'll call it breakout. Like it's, on the road to a breakout season because he only had like 12 to 15 starts under his belt. So I think next year is going to be the breakout breakout season, if that makes sense for Zach Allen because I think he'll probably be in that 28 to 32 start range. Then we'll really see what kind of stuff Zach Allen is made out of. I've said consistently and constantly that Zach Gallin, Zach Gallin is going to be the Walker Bueller. Say Clayton Kershaw, with Gallon being Bueller and Kershaw being Madison Bumgarner in this scenario. I think Gallon. I think Gallon is just primed to have a great season. I think we need him to have a great season because I feel like the starting rotation just has a lot of question marks around it. You have a lot of young guys with potential, but no one. And then you also have some veterans like Mike Leake and Merrill Kelly. Just a lot of guys who you don't know what you're gonna get consistently and I think Zach Gallon could really solidify that starting rotation. Only Bumgarner is the only guy you have any sort of real confidence in to go out there and get the ball every fifth day. So Zach gallon can go out there and be that guy for the D-backs, be that number two start in the rotation. I think they're going to be really dangerous in this upcoming 2020 MLB season. Now final take Bumgarner will continue his effectiveness that we saw in his first debut, but one thing that I am scared of is his home run propensity to allow those, because he did give up a good amount of home runs last season. I think he gave up over 28 home runs last season, if I want to say off the top of my head, and Bumgarner needs to just work on that area. He's coming over from the giant stadium, so that's already a very big ballpark, already a lot of outfield grass and if he feels already struggling with home runs on, on the on the Giants team then I can only imagine what the D-backs can offer him and I hope it's not more of the same he really needs to just make sure he limits the amount of fly balls he 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 allows because you can't allow as many fly balls in Chase Field that he did back uh, with the Giants, just because the dimensions of the ballpark are so different, and that ball will definitely leave Chase Field if you have the same approach that you hit that if you have the same approach that you had with the San Francisco Giants. Now, thank you to everyone who tuned in today on this Fastball Fridays. Another great week of shows, so go listen to those. We have the Austin Grad finale on Wednesday, so go listen to that. You guys are going to want to tune back in next week because we're going to have another week of shows slated for you guys Monday through Friday as we bring you all the D-backs talk every day. So stay tuned and stay locked on to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Peace!